Well, good morning, Orangewood. Good morning, everybody. Who loves Jesus in this place? All right. There you go. Clap your hands. They say y'all don't clap your hands over here at Orangewood. We, we well, bless the Lord. And I'm so honored to be back here amongst family and friends here at Orangewood. And as always, I'm so delighted um, and so humbled to have been entrusted uh, with the great responsibility of providing the preaching here at this great church, entrusted by my good friend, my confidant. He's a pastor to me, close buddy, my brother from another mother, your pastor, Jeff Jakes. Would you clap your hands like you love him? Just act like it, at least, like you love him. You know, him and Katie are away, and we just pray God's blessing uh, upon their life. We also give honor to all of the pastoral staff here as well, Pastor Joe Creech. We honor him and uh, Pastor Dave Gambro and, and uh, Pastor Doug Fleming here, the pastoral team, all of the elders all of the deacons, all of you who are in leadership, we honor you with the love of the Lord, and we certainly honor all of you, each of you, my father's children, and we make up one big old happy family. Is that all right? Amen. <clears throat> Let me just pray for us. Father, my simple prayer is that the words of my mouth, the meditations of my heart will be acceptable in your sight. O oh Lord, my strength, my redeemer. Speak to me, speak through me. May we have ears to hear what your spirit is going to say today. We give you thanks right now in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. I'm also honored to have with me my wife of almost 28 years, um, April. That's my good thing, and the Lord blessed me with her. I'm so grateful for her. We are blessed to have six children. They're all adults, and um, five grandchildren. Uh, they call me G-Pa. Uh, my wife said she was too young to be called Grandma, so she came up with G-Ma, so if you're going to be G-Ma, I'll be G-Pa. <laughs> Amen. I often tell people having grandchildren is God's reward for having those crazy children of yours <laughs> and raising them up, but that's a whole other story. Um, we are living in some very challenging, uh, difficult, and troubling times in one degree, um, but I believe also exciting times in another. I believe the church's best days are in front of her, not behind her. Amen. Today's message is, I pledge allegiance to the flag. And... We're going to talk about that today. The flag has become uh, somewhat of a controversial topic today, especially as it relates to uh, the Confederate flag. Um, we've had some tragic events that have happened um, that have affect, affected the body of Christ, um, especially as the events that unfolded in Charleston, South Carolina. And as a result, now the Confederate flag has become a topic of conversation. And I understand it. I really do. Um, but I started feeling some kind of way when they took the General Lee and the Dukes of Hazard off TV. <laughs> Man. Man, 
in the Dukes of Hazzard, they ain't bother nobody, man. What's up with that? It's one of my favorite shows, you know. Some kind of way they need to be able to, if they could just paint over the Confederate flag on top of the car and just let the show stay on if y'all want to do that. Um, I understand the debate. Um, on one side, that flag represents a heritage of people. Um, it represented a way of life in the South before the Civil War. Um, on one side of it, it represents racism and division and hatred and a dark past of this nation's history. I understand it. Um, and I can pretty much... Um, have a conversation with anyone on either side of it. People feel passionate about it. Um, I even watched a documentary recently about the Confederate flag, and, and it was, uh, people felt so passionate about it. They were crying over the flag. And I looked at that, and I just sort of tabled it in my mind. When I was asked to um, actually bring the message today, it's been months ago, and as soon as I had a conversation with Jeff, um, it's been months ago, the Lord gave me the message. The Lord gave me this same message months ago. Had no clue what the country would be going through at this particular time, but God knows. Amen. Well, everyone may have an opinion here about the Confederate flag. Um, but I'm going to leave the Confederate flag now and uh, talk about another flag. Old Glory, the flag of the United States of America, the flag that we all have our citizenship under, the 50 stars of the flag, the 13 stripes that represent the original 13 colonies, the flag of the United States. Many women have fought and died over that flag. We have people today in parts of the world that are fighting over that flag. We have embassies all over the, country, all over the world where the flag flies so very high. We respect the flag. In fact, there is a protocol in dealing with the flag. When raising the United States flag on a pole, it should be raised very rapidly to get it to its highest place. When lowering it, it's supposed to be lowered very slowly. Respecting it. Anybody in uniform should salute it as it's going up and as it's coming down. If it's to be flown at half staff, it is supposed to be raised to the highest height and then lowered to half staff. Once it is to be removed, it is supposed to be raised again to the highest height and then lowered all the way. If it is to stay on the pole 24 hours, it is supposed to be lighted at night. There is a protocol for the United States flag. If the president calls one of the um, ambassadors home, because they're in a dangerous situation, before that ambassador leaves, the ambassador must have within his or her hand the flag that stood over that building before they leave. If the building is under fire, 
get the flag, remove it. There is a respect for the United States of American flag. But when we say I pledge allegiance to the flag, I understand it, of the United States of America, to the republic for which it stands, one nation under God, you know it, we all recite it. There is a song, our uh, national anthem, where it says, oh, say does that star what? Spangled banner. Because a flag is a banner. Banner meaning flag or standard. It is a symbol of security. It is a symbol that rallies troops. When the troops are fighting somewhere nearby, the flag should be flying. So just in case the soldier or the warrior wants to get tired or they're in a a very precarious situation, somewhere they should be able to see the flag and get an encouragement to say, this is what we're fighting for. We're fighting for freedom. We're fighting for the people back at home in America. I get chills when I think about it. But there is a flag greater than the United States of America flag. And I want to talk about it today. Let's go to the word of God. In in Ezekiel, the 17th chapter. Now, in your bulletin, you probably have um, written the 8th through the 16th verses. But I thought I would go back and read 5 through 7. Well, you say, that's not in the bulletin. I'm preaching. I get to read whatever I want to read. (laughs) All right. Starting with the fifth verse, and it says, And the Lord said to Moses, Pass on before the people, taking with you some of the elders of Israel. (coughs) Excuse me. Take, excuse me. Take in your hand the staff with which you struck the Nile and go. Behold, I will stand before you there on the rock at Horeb and you shall strike the rock and water shall come out and the people will drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. And he called the name of the place Massah and Meribah because of the quarreling of the people of Israel and because they tested the Lord by saying, is the Lord among us or not? Um, Massah and Meribah, (laughs) that word means, those words means place of testing and quarreling. Now, we are living in some interesting times. Uh, The Supreme Court of the United States of America, SCOTUS, as it's affectionately known, has made some major decisions that has affected and will affect both the current and future of this nation. These decisions have brought great um, anxiety and Anger and folks being upset, especially those on the conservative side, the, 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 the Christian side or the church side of things. Um, I understand it. Uh, let me just remind you. The Supreme Court, in all of their glory, can't vote to put Jesus back in the grave. 
That was a good place for amen right there, right there, right there. (laughs) That tells me that God is in control. He still is in control. You would think when you talk to certain believers that all of a sudden God sitting on his throne presiding over the affairs of humanity decided he wanted to go take a restroom break and just kind of left the throne for a minute. And then while he was gone, the world, especially this nation, just went buck crazy. (laughs) And soon as God gets back on the throne, he realized things have gotten so crazy. Now he's all in a crisis. Let me tell you something. God is sovereign. He's never in a crisis. He rules and reigns. He he watches over the affairs of mankind. Y'all had the nerve today in the worship service to sing a song that says God is the God of this city. He's the Lord of this nation. Do you really believe it? Holler back at your boy. Come on now. We're going to have fun today. He's the Lord of this nation. He rules as he tells Daniel, I rule. God says in the book of Daniel, I rule in the kingdom of men. And I'll give the kingdom to whoever I want to give it, even to the lowest of people. He even said in the word of God that Nebuchadnezzar was his servant and Nebuchadnezzar was an evil man. So whoever's in leadership, God appointed them there. And we honor whoever's in leadership. Our job is to pray. God is in control, Orangewood. Don't, 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 don't think for one moment that this country is out of his control. Because God, he rules. And we're going to talk about that today. Are y'all with me? All right, now, we're going going for something here now. I've heard different pastors respond to the the, the decision. I understand it. I have my own beliefs and response to it as a Bible-believing Christian. But there was this one pastor who said that if God doesn't hurry up and judge America, he's going to have to apologize to who? Oh, y'all heard the same thing. Come on now. Sodom and Gomorrah, right? There's a couple of things that troubles me about that statement. Number one, why would any of us want God to judge a nation when we're still living in it? <laughs> Hello, somebody. Number two, When you read and understand God, he's just God. He don't have to apologize to nobody. And number three, when you read Ezekiel, the 16th chapter, all 63 of those verses, it gets a little interesting around the 46th through the 48th verse, but you will see where God literally said that his own people the Israelites had committed sin worse than the Sodomites. So Sodom and Gomorrah is not the worst of circumstances or situations in Scripture. The people who did worse than them were were God's own people. And you can read that in Ezekiel 16. But then at the end of the chapter, you also find, I believe around the 63rd verse, where God says that he is going to atone for Because of his covenant, God is going to bring uh, grace and forgiveness to his people. So God don't have to apologize to nobody. 
But we do live in some challenging times. I get it. So now, I pledge allegiance to the flag. What is this all about? First of all, the people of God, they're in, they just come out of the wilderness of sin into Rephidim. Rephidim. I think that's the name of the, the place. And Rephidim means resting place. That's what that word means. They're in Rephidim, and it means resting place. And yet they came to a place where, first of all, God showed out in Egypt. They saw miracles that George Lucas and Steven Spielberg would dream about seeing. Miracles upon miracles, even to the point of deliverance from Egypt, even when they got to the Red Sea, when there was an enemy behind them, mountains on the side of them, in front of them is the Red Sea, and God in his infinite power with using Moses as his instrument and that rod that he had given him as a symbol of his power and authority opens up the Red Sea and they walk across and then the enemy chases them. He closes up the Red Sea and all of them are destroyed and killed to the point where the scripture tells us the enemy that you see today, you will not see them ever again. So they saw all of these miracles. Now all of a sudden, God is tripping. That's the hood version of the story, by the way. They thought God was tripping. You, you brought us out here to die. Brought us out here to kill us. We're hungry. We're thirsty. And Deuteronomy 8 and 3 says that God was the one that suffered them to go hungry so that they might know that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So God will literally put us in circumstances that are sometimes troubling, sometimes uncomfortable, so that we would turn to him and look to Jesus, the often finisher of our faith. Are y'all with me? Let me tell you something. Success is good and bad. And we have experienced success in this country. I'll tell you why success is good. When you have good success, leading the company or your job, <coughs> you, you get financial rewards for that. And it's a blessing because you can, you know, live in a good house, drive a nice car, you know, eat, you, eat, eat whatever food you want to eat, right? And just kind of live how you want to live. Bad part about success is, we tend to not trust God much. We tend to pray the least when things are going well. We tend to not trust God when I got money in my pocket and, I, and, my, and my, my debit card uh, got a plus, plus, plus on my debit card. Uh, we, 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 when, 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 when things are going well, I'm trusting God. But notice what happens when trouble comes. We fall down on our knees and we tend to want to look to God then. And with the children of Israel, sometimes they have taught us and we do the same thing. Because if you look in the seventh verse of Ezekiel 17, you'll find that they ask the question, is God among us or not? Is he in control or not? You 
talking to some believers, you're wondering, you you wonder if God is even, do they really believe that God is in control? Is God among us or not? I can't believe what's going on in this country. I can't believe what's happening at the Supreme Court. I can't believe what the president is doing. I can't believe uh, all this stuff that's happening. I can't believe God. Where are you, God? What's happening, God? As though God is just somehow silent. Somehow the stuff that's going on in America has just overwhelmed God to the point where he just don't know what to do with himself. Is God, and we ask the same question sometimes. God, where are you? And we ask those questions when stuff happens. When, when we get news from the doctor, when, 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 we, when we have a physical a health situation or when finances go wrong or something goes bad in the job or something goes negative or bad with our family members or people that we love. God, where are you? Are you even in control? And the children of Israel asked that question. And they murmured. Moses called that place Masai Meribah because they tested God and they quarreled. They, they was talking amongst themselves like, Oh man, what you what, and you know how people talk. You know how you know how people talk. What you think about what's going on? You know, what, what's your opinion? Right? How many conversations have that took place after Friday's uh last Friday's decision? What y'all think about this? What's going on? Look, last time I checked, God is in control. And he rules, and he oh, I felt some kind of way. I got down and I had a pastor call me. The pastor was, was, was actually crying and in tears. And um, he wanted to know, man, what you think about? I'm saying, brother, let me tell you something. Before this decision, I preached the gospel. After this decision, I'm going to preach the gospel. Don't nothing change for me. I preached before. I preach it now. I'm going to preach the gospel. So for me, it's not what the nation is doing. It's what the church is doing. It's what God is up to. And God is up to something great. God is provoking his church to be the church. The church is all you got to do is read the book of Acts and history. You will find that the church's best days took place when they were under persecution. Bring it on, baby. Come on with it. I've learned something that God has caused me to be victorious. Are y'all with me? Okay, let's keep, let me get back in my story. I got ahead of myself. All right? So now the eighth verse. Then Amalek came and fought with Israel and Rephidim. At Rephidim, I'm sorry. So Moses said to Joshua, choose for us men, go out and fight with Amalek. (coughs) Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill. Here it is. With the staff of God in my hand. So Joshua did as Moses told him, fought with Amalek, while Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. And whenever Moses held up his hand, Israel prevailed. Whenever he lowered his hand, the enemy prevailed, Amalek. But Moses' hands grew weary, so they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. And while Aaron and Hur held up his hands, one on one side and the other on the other side, so his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. And Joshua overwhelmed Amalek and his people with the sword. 
And then the Lord said to Moses, write this as a memorial in a book and recite it in the ears of Joshua that I will utterly blot out the memory of Amalek from under heaven. And Moses built an altar and called the name of it Jehovah Nisi. And in, in, in some of the versions, it actually spells out what Jehovah Nisi means, meaning the Lord is, excuse me, is my banner or the Lord is my flag. Are y'all with me? Saying a hand upon the throne of the Lord, the Lord will have war with Amalek from generation to generation. Amen. So when I talk about uh, I pledge allegiance to the flag, God bless old glory. I love the flag. I love being an American. I love that I'm living in the state of Florida. I love being an Orlandoan. I love, I love being an American. But there is a flag that's greater than the United States of America's flag. And that is the banner of the Lord Jesus. He is our banner. He is our flag. He is our everything. And we raise them high. We lift them high. He is above all. He's in all. He's through all. Oh, I feel like preaching over head on what thank you mother appreciate that Moses understood something the Lord is my banner Yehovah Nisi the name of God he is and, and the word Banner means flag or standard. And a flag was a symbol of power, a symbol of authority, a symbol that unifies a people. And when Moses said, the Lord is my banner, Jehovah Nisi, he understood something. Just like we raise the flag high and it needs to be high so that people can look up and see the flag wave. Yet at the same time, Moses understood that, that when he fought against Amalek, now the word, the name Amalek uh, uh, also means a sinner or offender. Um, and so you got to understand when the enemy comes in, when the enemy seems like they're winning, and even here in the United States of America, it may seem like that the enemy is winning. But let me tell you something. The Bible tells us that we're more than conquerors through him that loved us. The last time I checked in Romans 8, 28, he said all things work together for the good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. Yes, this decision last week and every decision that may come out of Washington or Tallahassee or the city of Orlando must bow to the standard of God. God is in control. And Moses understood something. He said, look at here. We fight the enemy. I'm going to lift my hands up. Now, holler back at you, boy. Now, holler back at me now. What does this mean? Well, I mean, I mean, really. <laughs> it could mean a couple of different things. <laughs> and depending on your life's experience... You may find yourself having been under arrest. <laughs> but aside from being under arrest, what is this a sign or a symbol of? 
Holler back at me now. Come on now. Celebration, praise, worship. Moses understood something. When my hands are lifted up, we prevail. When his hands was down, they lost. And in his hand was the staff, the rod of God. And as he lifted up the rod, and you got to understand, they didn't have just, you know, Bibles and scripture. He had that rod. That rod was a symbol of God's covenant, God's power, God's presence, God's purpose, God's precepts. It was a symbol of all of that. And when Moses lifted up his arms, he was saying, God is in control. So when the word of God becomes preeminent and we keep it above ourselves, we win. The moment you put your hands down in defeat, you're going to lose. You're going to lose. Now, you know what I love about the church? This Aaron and her represents what should happen in church. You're part of a community of people. How much time I got? Well, that's all right. Y'all, <laughs> y'all invited a black preacher here. We're going to be here until at least till 2 o'clock. All right, I got three more closings. I ain't even been on my first one yet. All right, all right. So, so what happens is with Aaron and her, it, it, it represents us as the church. Because let me tell you something. We all go through trouble. We all go through struggles. And sometimes we get discouraged. And yes, I understand you can be filled with the spirit of God. And you could be down in the dumps. Now, one thing about the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit ain't going to let you stay in the dumps too long. If you know him, if you're in relationship with God, you can only stay down long enough. Because after a while, the Holy Spirit is going to kick in. And you're going to hear scriptures in your head like, he's the lifter of your head. Uh, Oh, you're more than a conqueror. We are victorious. As Jesus has won, so shall you win. And sometimes you got to encourage yourself. But sometimes when you can't encourage yourself, that's a good part about being in the church. Sometimes we need some errands and some hers that they're going to be strong for us that's going to help us lift it up. That is why you as the people of God, we should always, when we get around believers in our family, try to be discerning. And when I say discerning, don't just come to church and say, I'm just here for myself. Sometimes when you just hug people or have a conversation with people, you'll be able to discern that person right there needs some encouragement. And when you get to that place and see that they do, be an Aaron and a her for them. Lift their hands up. Because when we are like this, we win. When Job lost it all, here's a man. I can imagine if Job lived today, if he lived today, can you imagine being at a funeral where you have one, two caskets, three, four, Five, ten caskets lined up in the front, and they're all your children. All your kids dead at one time. This man lost his wealth. He lost his health. He lost all his kids. His wife was in a bad place. 
And you can't blame Job's wife. Don't be getting mad at Job's wife. Because Job's like, you need to curse God and die. Don't get mad at Job's wife. She lost all her babies. That's a mama who don't have none of her children. And when you're in a bad place, you're liable to say any and everything. And when you're in the hospital or you're about to die, you're liable to have all. Sometimes you don't even want to hear scripture when you're going through a hard trial. Don't mean that you don't love God. Just you mean you're in a hard place. But Job said to his wife, do you speak as a foolish woman? Shall we not receive good at the hand of God and not evil? He said, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And Job fell down and he worshipped. Job was in a posture of worship when he lost everything. And here we are in our nation thinking that the Supreme Court of the United States got more power than God. Shame on us for thinking that. They're operating under his sovereign rule. The Bible says in Proverbs that the heart of the king is in the hand of the Lord. And he said, as the rivers of water turn, so does he turn the heart of the king. Y'all don't understand what I'm telling you. When a president sits in the Oval Office, whether the decisions he make is good or bad, in agreement with us or not, he is being guided by a hand greater than his. I don't have to understand it. I don't even have to agree with it because I'm not God. That's above my pay grade and you ain't God either, so stop trying to figure it out. (laughs) So let me tell you something. When you can't trace God, trust God. When you can't trace him, we trying to figure out God. God, what you doing? Don't be trying to figure out God. You know, God made men and women in his image. I say that's the female side of God. God just won't let us figure him out. <laughs> now, that's a whole other message. I ain't going to bother with you on that. But the message today is I pledge allegiance to the flag. Every time the national anthem is played, I don't care if I'm at the magic game, this is me. My hat is off, this is me. Football game, that's me. I I look around and I see people, and they be like, we got to do this again. I'll be glad when it's over so I can see the basketball game, see the football game. When I come on, I'm just like this. Where, where, Where old glory at? And I got my eyes on that flag. I never served in the armed forces, but my grandfather did 30 years. And I know other people who have. And I respect the men and women who have served past, present, and future. I understand that. I am an American citizen. And I will pledge my allegiance to this nation. However... I am also like the apostles. The apostles of God were told, don't you preach in that name ever again by the government officials. And the apostles said this, let me tell you something. We rather obey God than man. I will pledge allegiance to the 50 star flag. But the moment the flag tells me I got to do something that goes against a flag greater than it, I must stand for this standard. I must preach the word. I must stand for truth. I must stand for what God says. 
So when I say pledge allegiance to the flag, I really wasn't talking about our flag. I was talking about the believer's flag. And his name is Jesus. And he said, if I I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. And the Bible says it was talking about the crucifixion, how they would lay the cross down on the ground, bam the nails in the hands and the feet, and then lift the cross up. And he said, if I be lifted up, if I be crucified, I will draw all men unto me. And that is also a symbol of the standard of God. Jesus is the standard. The word is the standard. His word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. So yes, I'm not going to get in your debate. You want to keep your Confederate flag? Keep the Confederate flag. Just bring the Dukes of Hazzard back on TV, if you will. Then, after the flag, we must raise the United States flag above that. But then there is a flag. They may not do it in our nation, but we must do it in the church. There's a flag that goes above the United States. It's the Word of God. We must stand on the standard of the Word of God. Hallelujah. So Jehovah Nisi, the Lord, my standard. Jehovah Nisi, the Lord, my flag. Jehovah Nisi, the Lord, my banner. And I will obey every one of America's and Florida's and Orlando's laws. But the moment you tell me I got to do something that goes against my king, I will have civil disobedience. And I will not be loyal to a nation when I'm more loyal to a kingdom. We here in the United States, as Christians and as believers, perhaps persecution will come to us, but we make a stand. Perhaps things will get a little crazy. We will make a stand. But what the sovereign Lord of the universe is doing, I believe, is stirring up his bride. We've been sitting down too long. It's time for her to rise up and to be the salt of the earth and the light of the world. Darkness is not the opposite of light. Darkness is the absence of light. And until we get to a place where we can start shining our lights in dark places, And love the people that God has put in front of us. Speak the truth in love. Listen, I can stand for the standard without hating up on you. Hey, I don't have to agree with what you're doing. I don't have to accept your behavior. But I can still love you. And I can still care for you. And I can still give you truth. Because I have an allegiance greater than the allegiance of this nation. I pledge allegiance. Orangewood. I do pledge allegiance to the flag. I will always do it for old glory. I love that old flag. I'm glad I'm here in the United States of America, the home of the brave, the home of the free, where there is liberty. Well, up to this now, up to this time, we have the freedom to come and worship. Love this country. It is the best country on earth. What other country in the world where people are fighting to try to get in it? but America. And she may be brought to her knees. Revival may come. Here's the reality. I ain't worried about the world. It's the church. (coughs) If my people, help me somebody, which are what? 
call by my name. He's talking about church. What humble themselves and what? Why y'all want the people in the government to pray? If they don't love Jesus, y'all trying to get them to do something they can't do? If my people, if Orangewood, if all the believers, if the church would humble themselves and pray, seek my face, and guess what we got to do? Turn from our own wicked ways. Then I will forgive their sin and heal the land. We, we don't categorize sin. We, we're looking down on one group of sin while we let, <coughs> let the other sins go free. Amen. Lying is still wrong. Cheating is still wrong. Fornication is still wrong. Adultery is still a sin. And we letting these things go free while we jumping down on these people who have a different kind of attraction. We got to stop it and get to a place where we raise the banner, the standard, and raise it high for everyone, including ourselves. Let's not get angry with what's going on in Washington when we're letting so much go on in our own houses. It is time for us to bring revival to our own homes, revival in our own lives, revival to the church. And if the church of Jesus Christ gets in order, it's going to affect what goes on in the world. What's going on in the world is simply a symptom of how crazy we have gotten in the church. But the Lord loves her old crazy self. I think it was Augustine. Some people say he didn't say it and others say he did. But there's an old statement out there that says that the church is a whore, but she is my mother. Now, where I come from, we'll say it like this. The church is a whore, but she is my mother. Meaning she got issues, but the Lord loves her dearly. And the Lord loves you. And the Lord loves me. I'm closing. This is my first, second, and last close. (laughs) I'm done. When we walk out of this room today, when you walk out of here and you go home, you go to your workplaces, let's stop looking down on people because they sin differently than we do. Let's stop the judgmental attitudes that we have. And let's walk out of here and let's stop thinking that we're defeated and it's the worst of times and the worst of days and, oh, we need to go back to, no, we need to go back nowhere. Forget those things which are behind. Let's press forward. The church's best days are in front of her. Yes, stuff is going on, but God is in control. How many of you believe God is in control? (laughs) Hallelujah. The rest of y'all will figure it out later on. But he's in control, and I'm so encouraged. I'm excited. Can y'all tell I'm excited a little bit? I'm more excited today than I've ever been before. I have great expectation for what the church is about to do, about what my Lord and King is about to do. I, and, 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 and here it is, and I'm closing. I told the first service, you know, I wasn't the best student in school. Sometimes when the teachers say, hey, I want you to figure the, the problem out. And we already know that in the back of the book, there's answers. Y'all didn't do it. I, I know y'all didn't do it. Y'all was better students than me. But you go to the back of the book and you look for the answers and you put the answers down and you say, and I did my homework. Well, I don't espouse cheating. I don't espouse for you to do or go against what the teachers say. But I will, I love the principle. If you ever think 
that God is not in control. He gave us a cheat sheet called the Word of God. Turn to the book of Revelation. Turn to the Word of God. You're more than a conqueror. He sits high and he looks low. Wait a minute. I see revelations. I see the king high and lifted up. I see he's the king and Lord over all the kingdoms of the earth. He's in control. He's in charge. He's number one. He rules. He reigns. Raise your banner high. Raise your banner high. Raise the banner high. Walk out of here with your hands lifted up. Walk out of here with your your banner raised to the ceiling. Hallelujah. 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 Now, Father, thank you for this word. Bless us and keep us, God. Father, help us to remember that you're the Lord of this nation. Greater things are yet to come. Greater things are still to be done in this city, in this state, in this nation. We pray for President Barack Obama. We pray for Vice President Biden. We pray for the heads of the Senate and the House of Representatives. I pray for Governor Scott. I pray for our mayors, our council people. We pray for them. And we give them to you, God. But we walk out of here understanding that while they may have the earthly position, we do understand that they serve at the pleasure of a king. King Jesus, the omnipotent one, the one who is all-knowing. And we lift his banner high today. Father, may we be faithful to it. And may we never forget who we are and whose we are. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen.